I feel like I might need to introduce myself. My name's Chris, uh, and uh, I have been, I've been gone for three weeks. Um, we were in, um, what an incredible experience. We were in the Netherlands with our missionaries. Um, uh, for the past five years, I've been serving as a trustee for the International Mission Board. And I don't know if you know this, but as Southern Baptists, we have over 3,700 missionaries serving all over the world. And, um, and Robin and I were, had the privilege of, of being with about 900 of our missionaries from across Europe. And it was just a, an incredible experience. And, and, and you know, uh, if you have a curiosity or an interest about serving the Lord overseas, I want you to know there's a path for you. We, we have, there are jobs available. Um, there are opportunities available. And, and in fact, this, uh, on our August 21st, we are starting a class here on, a, on Tuesday nights from 6 to 9 p.m. It's, the, like Joe mentioned it earlier, it's a, it's a class called Perspectives. And, and it will really help you to, to kind of investigate that, that thought. But um, interacting with missionaries has changed my life. I mean, as I look back at um, uh, just these people that I've been able to hang out with over the last uh, couple weeks, uh, God has really continues to use them. And, and, I, and I think it's very helpful for us to, to recognize the world and recognize the, the call to share the gospel with the world. I, we've, we've become really good friends. Robin and I have become really good friends with a couple that live in Budapest, Hungary. And, um, and, and man, uh, we, we went there last October and, and we saw them again last week in the Netherlands. And, and, um, and, and you know, they're, 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 just, they're just friends. And uh, they're going to come in, in January. And I'm excited for you to meet Trey and Denise. But, um, but God spoke to my heart in Budapest when I was 19 years old. I'll never forget it. Uh, my dad was a history teacher, and in, in 1990, um, a year after the Berlin Wall fell, my, my, my dad and took, took us on a trip to Eastern Europe. And um, it's fascinating. I got a piece of the Berlin Wall in my office that I knocked off because at that point they were letting you. I, I didn't steal it or anything, but, uh, but I do have it in my office. It's pretty cool. And, and uh, they stopped letting people do that after a while because the wall was depleting. But, um, but um, we were on this bridge in Budapest, and it was called the Monument Bridge. And, and it was a Friday night, and I'll never forget this because I was um, kind of peeled off by myself, and, and I was just kind of having a moment. I was 19 I had just finished my freshman year of college, and so I was wrestling through life, and what am I going to do? And I, I, pr- I was pretty certain I was supposed to, be, I knew I was supposed to be a pastor, but, but it was still kind of processing those moments and those things. And, um, and, and I was walking on this bridge, and, and I hear, it, it was a fascinating experience because I saw people that looked like me, but they didn't speak my language. It was fascinating. And um, I, I hear English. I was like, well, it's English. And I, and, I, and I just gravitated over to this large, this huge group of people that were on this bridge and these, there's about six college guys and they had their guitars and they were singing John Cougar Mellencamp. Um, and everybody was just, you know, they were all drinking, passed around bottles and, and man, it was just like a big scene. And I just was at the back of the crowd just kind of observing. 
And then all of a sudden, I had this other year, I hear English again, and it was a praise song. So I had this like, like wait, it's English again. And so I, I walked down the bridge just a little bit, and, and there was this, this about six people that were campus crusade missionaries. They were on the bridge, they were sharing the gospel, and there was about six or seven people around them. And I meet this guy, and I was like, hey, man, uh, are you guys Christians? He's like, yeah, are you? And I was like, yes, oh my gosh, how cool. And uh, so we had this bonding moment. I talked to them for a little bit. And then I kind of just drifted between these two scenes. And, and God spoke to me. God spoke to me. And I'll never forget the voice of God speaking to me. As I, as I was between these two scenes and I looked to my left and there was this huge crowd of people and, and, it, and then I looked to the right and there was a smaller crowd of people. And God brought to my mind, wide is the way that leads to destruction and few find it. Narrow, well, excuse me, wide is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and few find it. And in my heart, not audibly, in my heart, God spoke to me that verse. And I thought, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to do something about that. And then months later, I was off to the races doing ministry. But God spoke to me. God led me. I want you to know something. The voice of God is, is available to you. God speaks. God has spoken to the world, and God continues to speak to you and to me. And we're in John chapter 10, and I want you to turn there. But as we do, I, I want you to think back Think about a time in your life that God spoke to you right now. Think about it. Think, think about the time that God saved you. Do you remember? Can you look back at a moment that you were, you were born again? You were saved? That you realized, oh, Jesus, I, I hear you. I'm coming to you. You know, the Bible, Jesus described himself as a shepherd that speaks, that leads, that guides. And, and is the Lord your shepherd? Has he spoken to you? You know my prayer today as we look at John 10, that every one of us who can go back to that moment that we were born again, that, that God spoke to you and called you to salvation and, and spoke to your heart, that, and, uh, that it's my prayer that you trust him forever. That you don't doubt him. 
that you don't doubt the voice of God, you don't doubt the call of God. And I, I want us to see some. I think we see something in John chapter 10. Well, I think we see that the cross is so powerful and Jesus is so magnificent that you don't have to ever doubt his promise ever. Let's stand together and look at John chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 1 through 18 together. And it says this. Verse 1. Truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, I tell you, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and out and go and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for, for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up. I've received this command from my Father. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. May be seated. Now, now, I think it's important to understand that Jesus taught in parables. And a parable is a, a way of teaching that, and Jesus was so creative. A parable, I've historically understood it as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And um, the, the Greek word for parable really means to cast alongside. And so that's what Jesus is doing here. He's, he's teaching a parable. That's important to understand. And, and as you see the, in, in verse 6, the disciples didn't understand it. A lot of, a lot of scholars will, will evaluate parables and they'll, they'll, they kind of agree for the most part that, that parables really have one meaning. Jesus is not communicating a whole bunch of different messages here, though there are some interesting applications you can consider. But really, Jesus is making one big point. And, um, and really, the point he's making is that I'm a shepherd, and I'm the one that you need to follow. 
You know, I'm a city boy. I grew up in the city. I'm more comfortable in asphalt than I am in dirt. Um, and I get nervous in the woods. Everything, I'm like, what's that noise? And and uh, scares me. Uh, I about got killed by a raccoon. Was it a raccoon, Brady? I don't know what it was. It came out of the woods. Boy, it scared the snot out of me. Um, but I'm not Mr. Agriculture. So I'd, I've never watched sheep. But, so I had to... Uh, uh, do some research, and, I, and, I, and there's a really good book I want to push you to. It's called The Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. It's by a guy named Philip Keller. He's got a series of books about a shepherd and sheep, totally worth your time and, and interesting to, to consider. But, um, but, but I did read one commentary that was fascinating to me, and, and uh, in the New American Commentary, he, this, this writer tells a story about being in Israel, and I, we just went to Israel. And uh, he talked about this, uh, this experience he had right outside of the city of Jerusalem. You know, we're going to go to Israel again in two years. Uh, we went this summer, and, and man, I, I would love for you to consider to go because, going because it just will make your Bible come alive. But, but uh, I've been outside the city of Jerusalem, and it's crowded. It's, there's, there's traffic, and cars are going everywhere. There's buses. And, and this, this scholar, as he wrote this commentary, he observed this Bedouin shepherd leading his sheep outside the city of Jerusalem down the street. Quite dangerous for, I mean, I think I almost got hit by a car a few times, and they're honking, and it's loud, and, and, and this Bedouin was just singing, and he was singing and walking, and all his sheep just stayed right behind him, never got in the street, never wandered away. They just followed the voice of the shepherd. And you know, in this story, in this earthly story with a heavenly meaning, you know what Jesus is revealing to you and to me, to his disciples, to those listening in the first century? That he speaks to you. That he will guide you. And you know what my prayer is today? Is that today's a day we grow up in our salvation. We grow up in our understanding of salvation. And you know what my prayer is? Is that, that, that you don't ever doubt the call of God or the voice of God or the promises of God. You know, sometimes I doubt. Sometimes I doubt God's voice, even to this day. And I'm, I hate to admit that as your pastor, but it's true. But when I sit down and remember when God spoke to me, my doubts go away. My confidence rises. My certainty gets more certain. And my prayer is today that you don't doubt. You stop doubting the voice of God. Why? Because he's your shepherd. He saved you. He called you. And he's trustworthy. And the first thing, when, I want you to look at verse 7. You know what it says in verse 7? Jesus says that he's the only gate. Truly, I tell you, I am the gate. 
for the sheep. Look at verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. Look at verse 18. He says, no one takes it from me, his life. He's talking about his life that he gave for the sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down. I have the right to take it up. The first thing I want us to see today is that Jesus initiates your salvation. Look at verse 1. Truly I tell you, look what he's saying here. Truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way as a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate, enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out, brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. And notice verse 6, Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. You know what he's telling them? He's like, guys, follow me. You know, we live in a world that's pluralistic. And, and you can see this everywhere we go, that, that pluralism, that means that, that, that there's a lot of people that believe that there's many ways to God. There's many, and that's true, people believe a lot of different things. They, they believe a lot, that there are a lot of different paths. There's this pressure that we have, hey, stop, stop pushing people to Jesus, just let everybody be, uh, what, believe what they want. But there's, there's a problem with that because Jesus says, look, there are thieves and robbers. There, there are false teachers out there. And here's the truth. There's nothing new under the sun. Let's think about it. Most uh, the uh, people believe in other gods. The Bible's clear. There's one God, one path. Jesus right here is saying, look, of all the beliefs in the world, follow me. Listen to my voice. I'm the gate. I'm the one you should turn to. And one of the things you see here is that he says, says, I'm going to call you by name. You see about salvation, the salvation calling is intimate. It's close. God, God speaks to you. And that's why I think it's important for us to remember how God has spoken to us, how God has called you, how God has spoken to you. It's important to go back to your, this moment in your life when Jesus saved you. I often go back to, God, what have you said to me? And when I do, there's confidence. I want to challenge you with this, this truth. You don't have to doubt your salvation because God, he's your shepherd. He's the gate. Go to him. Look to him. When I look at this salvation calling, it's intimate. And it blows my mind as I think back about my life that God you would speak to me, you would include me, you would guide me, you would, you would walk with me. And I, I think about it, how big this week is, how so many of our college kids are going to be moving into college this week. And for them to recognize, I want you to recognize God will speak to you, God will lead you, God will guide you. Why? Because he's the shepherd. And, and Jesus was looking at his disciples going, look, I'm the shepherd, come to me. Listen to me. Follow me. And with that, there's confidence. But there's also, when you look at the intimacy of the calling of God, there's also urgency. 
It's like, look, you, you follow me. Turn to me. I think it's fascinating that um, it says that he, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And then look at God, look at this urgency. Don't, don't turn to these other paths. Turn to Jesus. You know, there's a, there's a saying I heard a long time ago. Born once, die twice. Born twice, you die once. And I just want to ask you, have you been born again? Has Christ saved you? And if, and if you can go back to that moment that Christ saved you, I want you to recognize that his calling is secure for you. You don't have to doubt him. You don't have to fear about your life. You don't have to fear about, about what you're to do. You're to look to him and his voice will speak to you. He will guide you. He will lead you like a good shepherd. And he will walk with you. It blows my mind as I look back at my life for the moments that God spoke to me. Look to him. You see Jesus initiating this call. You also see how Jesus guards your salvation. I want you to be confident in how, how Christ has saved you. So many doubt today. And Jesus guards our salvation. Look at verse 7. Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came to before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. And I want you to see in this passage, Jesus says very clearly, I am the gate that you come through. You don't come to anyone else. If you, but if you will come, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, he'll save you. Notice this. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. You know, as I think about how Christ is our shepherd, our leader, our guide, our, our, that he interacts with us intimately. He, he, he moves us to a sense of urgency. He guards us as we, as we walk through life. We, we, we learn to recognize impostors. We learn to recognize those voices that, 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 are, that are not his. We, we, we learn to listen to him and pay attention to his voice. We can follow his plan. And I want you to know something that's so amazing. You can follow the plan of God. And that's why he gives us his word. And this is why I don't want you to miss the call we have right now to engage the Bible. When I was in, in, in the Netherlands, we, we, we looked at a study that shows there's a direct relation to spiritual growth with how you engage the Bible. And I want to challenge you to learn to listen to, to God's Word and pay attention to His Word. And as I think about the moments that God has spoken to me, every time I sit down and think about those moments, it's always tied to His Word. God speaks through his word. 
He speaks to his people. And this is why it's valuable for us to be a church together, to walk together, to, to push one another, to confront one another, to, 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 to love one another, to encourage one another. Because God uses the church to help us, to lead us, to speak to us, to confirm gifts in us. And, and then, you know what he's given to us? He, and we see this through, through the scriptures that he give, he's given us his spirit. His Holy Spirit is at work, and I want to challenge us to look to Him. Look to Christ. Look to Him every day. Look to Him for guidance, for wisdom, for understanding. He'll speak. Notice verse 10. As I was thinking about verse 10, I thought about how God was speaking through His Word this week in the life of our church, because we've been reading the Old Testament and the New Testament together. And there's, it's such an incredible experience to, to consider both Testaments together. And so jump in where we are. But this week, as I, as I was thinking about John 10.10, 10, a verse that I quote often, the thief comes but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And I look back at my life and the joy of getting to walk with the Lord, to hear his voice, to, to let him guide me through my decisions and my, and my steps. And, and like today's my anniversary. Robin and I have been married 29 years today. And, and you know, in that 29 years of marriage, there's been ups and downs. And I, I've, I've come to realize that Robin and I both need the Lord. But he guided us and strengthened us and led us. But you also see, this week we read Jeremiah 9, 5. And I kept thinking about John 10, 10 as we read Jeremiah 9, 5. And it says this. It's talking about the people of God in Jeremiah that know better, the, that are living in rebellion. Jeremiah is a little depressing because it's God's people that are just ignoring his voice and not doing, not following him. And it says in Jeremiah 9, 5, Everyone deceives his neighbor and does not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. They weary themselves by committing iniquity. And in our Old Testament reading this week, we have seen this very clear picture of the people of God not following the voice of, of, of the Lord, not following God's voice, and they weary themselves with sin. This is what sin does for us. The thief comes but to steal from you, to kill you and to destroy you. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. There's joy in following Christ. But know this, even when we rebel, Jesus guards our salvation. Do you realize that salvation is not in your hands? It's in his. And, and we see this over and over again in this passage. And let's look at this. Jesus not only initiates our salvation, he not only guards our salvation, but Jesus provides lasting hope in your salvation. Jesus is going to, you can trust him. Even when you can't see him. He's going to be faithful even when you doubt his words. He, he's going to be faithful to you even when you turn, a, turn away from him. You know, my prayer for us today is that we stop doubting the grace of God. That we, we stop doubting the power of, of God's hand. 
we stop missing the power of the cross. Notice the power of the cross. You see it in John 10. We have to keep remembering the power of the cross. Five times in this, in this passage, Jesus points to the cross. Look at verse, verse 11. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Notice the two examples that he has in this passage. Jesus says to his disciples, I'm the gate. I'm the one that you come through. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one that's going to lead you. And he says, I'm the good shepherd. And what does the good shepherd do? The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Look at verse 15. Jesus says, just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. I lay my life for the sheep. Look at verse 17. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay my life, I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. Look at verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up. I have received this command from my Father. And we got to recognize this. We live in a world that believes a lot of different things about God, but let's not forget there's only one God who blessed this one family that then these prophets came from this family pointing to one Messiah. And this Messiah, all the prophecies came true exactly like they had said, completely out of the prophet's control. And then one day in around the first century, this miracle happened. This virgin gave birth to a child, just like the prophet said. Jesus entered the world in this miraculous way. And, and then people that heard him teach, they used parables like this. And they were like, we don't get it, like the disciples. I don't understand what you're saying. And, and Jesus is saying, look, I've entered the world. And, and he did these miracles that people that, taught it, that heard him teach said, look, you have authority. No one teaches like you. And then, and then they, they, they watched him die. He gave up his life. He willingly went to the cross, though he could have called 10,000 angels, the Bible reveals. Can you imagine that moment as Jesus on the cross and the Son of God, the angels knew who they were, the demons knew who he was, and imagine Jesus on the cross knowing he could have called 10,000 angels. I just picture that in my mind. Those angels lined up going, Jesus, call us. Jesus, call us. And that, that Roman centurion walking up to Jesus and just punching him in the face. And I can imagine those angels going, I want him. I want that guy. I'll take him. And I can imagine going, oh, Jesus, call us. But he willingly gave his life. And notice verse 18. No one takes it from me but I lay it down on my own. Jesus says, I have the right to lay it down. I have the right to take it up again. I've received this command from my Father. Jesus went to the cross, and folks, the cross was a big deal. Growing up in our salvation helps us recognize that Jesus took care of everything on the cross. 
It's not about you doing better. It's not about you working harder. You don't earn your salvation. You don't keep your salvation. Let me, hear me right here. Your salvation when Christ saved you is completely secure forever. Not because of you, but because of Jesus. And it even includes us, because let's recognize most of the people listening to Jesus are, are Jews. Look at verse 16. Verse 16 is this fascinating Gentile revelation. Where he says, but I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. That's us. That's us, that God called us, that God would speak to us, that God would save us, that no matter, even though we are not part of the Jewish family, we were grafted in, we got the call of God to come to him. And, and here we are in Indian territory over 2,000 years later after Jesus, and his voice is still speaking. He is still promising to be your shepherd, to guide you, to lead you, to speak to you. Look at verse 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And look at this. I give them eternal life, and they will, what? Never perish. Jesus gives eternal life, and when he gives you that gift, you will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Who, who can't snatch you out of the hand? Who? No one. No one can snatch them out of, the, out, of, out of my hand. Look at this. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And then Jesus makes this humongous claim in John, John 10, 30. And you've got to, you, you can't miss it. He basically says clearly, I and the Father are one. So what does Jesus do? He claims his deity. This is why every thinking person has to confront Jesus and look to Jesus. So I see us, Lewis, is right when he articulated that incredible statement that you, you, you've got to, every thinking person has to come face to face with Christ. Because Jesus is either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's Lord. But those are the only options about Jesus. Because Jesus walked around saying things like, hey, I'm the Father of one. He's claiming to be God in the flesh. So if he's God in the flesh, he's the only way to heaven. There's no one like him. No one has done what he has done. No, and no one made the claims that he, has cla he claimed. And if Jesus really did die on a cross and rise from the grave, there's no one else to trust. There's no hope in anyone else. And that's why I pray that we recognize the power of the cross and the confidence in salvation. And it's amazing to me 
that Jesus would save us and then he would speak to us and he would teach his disciples and teach us in 2023 that he is our shepherd. He is the gate. He is the shepherd who will lead us. And it just keeps me coming back to that incredible song that was written that you all know the words of this song. David wrote it. And he says this, the Lord is my shepherd. Let's think about that. The Lord, the creator of all things, the, the, the one who knows all and holds everything in his hand, he's my shepherd, mine. And personally, he's, he's a, and, and, and not just mine, he's available to anyone who would call on him. And if you've called on him, he's your shepherd. And what does the shepherd mean? He's my keeper. He's my protector. He's my provider. He, he, he even sacrificed his life for me when I, when I was rebelling against his voice. And I, I didn't want to follow him. He, it's like my favorite hymn. And, and uh, come thou fount of every blessing. I love, that, I love that part of that song that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to lead the, leave the God I love. But even when I needed rescuing, he spoke. And I came to him and he forgave me. It says, and the song goes on, I shall not be in want. I mean, God knows you. He knows your needs. He, he, he loves you. He, 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 he leads you to a, like, like John 10.10 10 says, the abundant life. Verse 2 in the Psalm of David, he, he makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. Even when you feel like you're in the desert, there's nothing green around you. God's like, I'm with you. I'm with you in the dark places. That happened to me this week. Wednesday night. I, here, I, had, I went to the hospital Wednesday night to see Harrison Mosby, who's in our church, and if you don't know his story, he's battling cancer. He's a 25, 26-year-old firefighter. Just turned, just had a birthday. And um, I walk in their hospital room, and here's Harrison in the bed, and Mallory's there, and his little, her little, their little Gracely's there that has just been born. His parents are there. I mean, I felt like that was a dry, dry spot. I sat down and I went with the goal of encouraging them. You know what Harrison said to me? He said, Chris, I hope I get to speak with you, speak beside you again. I was like, me too, man. Until then, I'm going to speak for you. And he goes, I appreciate it. He goes, you know what? We're processing some tough things. And he looked at me and said, you know, I've never asked God to take this cancer from me. I've asked God to just use it to help people see him. 
And man, I went to try to encourage him and I left trusting in Jesus more than I did when I walked in the door. I think about how God is leading Harrison and Mallory that Shelby, his mother, said, I can't even be mad at God because he trusts the Lord. His trust in the Lord is inspiring my life. I can't even be mad at him. I'm just trusting. I mean, God's using my son to help me trust the Lord. And I think about this psalmist, as God, David wrote this, as he, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, and even in the most difficult times, the Holy Spirit leads you. He restores my soul, he says. God knows how to soothe and refresh us. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And I'm thankful that the Lord lets us know when we've wandered away. And maybe in this moment, the Lord is reminding you and letting you know you've wandered away. You're doubting his voice. You're doubting what he has said. You're doubting what he's done. Don't. Trust him. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know what I'm thankful? That God holds, holds our hand and escorts us into eternity. One of, the, one of our jobs as pastors in your life is to help prepare you for eternity. And folks, let me tell you something. God will be just as faithful on your last day as he is today. God's promises are true, and you don't have to doubt his salvation, and you don't have to doubt what he said. You don't have to doubt his calling in your life. Trust him. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. God as the shepherd gives us more than we deserve. In verse 6, David ends this psalm, this shepherd psalm. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is he your shepherd? Is he your shepherd today? You know, my prayer this whole time as I've been wrestling through this passage is that those that don't know Christ will see him and will come to him and turn to him because the Bible's clear and history proves that there's only one who rose from the grave. come to Jesus. I've also prayed for those who are doubting God's call and doubting their salvation that you see the power of the cross. That Jesus is the gate. That he's the way that promises you eternal life. That Jesus is the shepherd. He will lead you and guide you all your days all the way through eternity. Trust him. Trust him. You can trust him. And hear this. God's promises will never 
failed you. Ever. You know, we're going to have an invitation and, and we have a prayer team and I'm going to ask you to go around the room. Those that are on our prayer team. Um, Jonathan, let's go. David. If you're on our prayer team, I want you to go around the room and there's, there's men and women. There's, they're all sides of the room. And um, if you need somebody to pray for you, Emily and Nathan, y'all come on up here at the front. Um, if you need somebody to pray for you, if you need Christ in your life, and let us pray for you. Um, one of the things I want to do today, though, Joe had a great idea today. And, um, you know, school has started in Collinsville, and it's starting in Wasso and Ulaga this week, I think, and all around us. This guy took, I think, this week. And we need to pray for our teachers. So if you're a teacher or a principal or a coach or something, I want you to come up. Come up right now. If you're a teacher, let's come up. We're going to pray over you. If you're in our school systems or if you're homeschooling or if you're, if you're leading in some of those ways, I want you to come up. You know, I'm thankful that God has sent so many teachers and administrators in our church that are salt and light shaping the next generation. And I think they need us to pray over them. So if you need prayer, there's people around the room that will pray for you. If, you're, if you'd be willing to come lay hands on a teacher, let's stand together. And let's come and let's pray over our teachers as Brandon leads us. And so let's get all messy and lay hands on some teachers.